This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The Steelers have been extremely active as far as free agency has been concerned this offseason. You don't say. More so than ever before, but the headline, the creme de la creme signing, of course, came at the very beginning of free agency when number 10 Mitch Trubisky comes on in to become what we think will be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, signed a two-year contract, brings with him plenty of experience, started in 50 of the 57 games he's played in during a five-year career. Most of the time he spent with the Chicago Bears, obviously, who selected him with the second overall pick, played back up to Josh Allen last year. That's one spot where I'm really hoping he improved a lot is just learning under a potential MVP mm-hmm. in the NFL, someone who was in the top five as far as MVP voting is concerned the past couple of years, I believe. Right, not and just one year. Someone who has gotten his team to the AFC Championship game and then the AFC Divisional Round losing in an epic showdown to the Chiefs last year. I mean, one of the more successful teams in the NFL, he got to sit on the bench, decompress, kind of, detox all of that bad stuff he learned in Chicago out of his system, learn from Brian Dable, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants, Mm -hmm. learn from Sean McDermott, and learn from Josh Allen, who, by the way, Mitch Trubisky can be kind of a Josh Allen light. You know, he's not as good as Josh Allen as far as anything that they do, but he's a mobile guy who likes to use his feet to make plays, and he's got a pretty strong arm. So... Perfect guy to learn behind, perfect organization to kind of be in for a year. And now you find yourself in another great organization to be in. I think that he might have gotten a raw deal in Chicago. Um, I mean, Nagy is not there anymore, and Nagy was the one who pushed him out. Drafted Justin Fields, thought Mm -hmm. that they were done with Trubisky, despite Trubisky winning a division for Matt Nagy at one point. He has now found himself in two straight extremely well-run organizations. And I know you couldn't have said that about the Bills for a period there in the middle 2000s. But he came now at a time at the into top the, of Bills, the game right now. Into the Bills when they are right. And now stable. he's in Pittsburgh, which means which you don't get much more stable than Pittsburgh. So I don't think you do. I'm giving a hat tip to Mitch Trubisky and his agent and his camp here because this is how you go to rehab. This is how you try to get a second chance at your NFL sure. quarterbacking career. Go to a good organization and then go to another good organization. You know, if he would have gone from Buffalo to Jacksonville, or if uh, he would have gone to Buffalo to Detroit or something like that. That would have been what, a Josh Rosen situation? Thought, or right? I would have just thought this is gonna be the same old Chicago Bears Mitch. It's gonna be the same old story with him. Oh, he's, sure. He's gonna sure, fail there. Yeah. But the fact that he came to Pittsburgh, another extremely stable the 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 cornerstone of stability when it comes to the NFL yeah. franchises. I, just to start the episode, smart move on Mitch to come here and sit at Buffalo for a year. And if you kind of look at it, I'm sure when he got drafted by Chicago, he was excited because Chicago, for the most part, has been one of the most historic franchises in this league's history. However, mm, I think that's fake news, honestly. Well, they've been around long. They were mm, huge. In the, they were huge. No, I'm just saying. How many rings? No, I get that. I, I, I get that. I mean, rings. I've but been to four, though. I mean, that's true. Know? My the point I'm trying to make is, <clears throat> it's not like you got drafted by Detroit. By you got drafted by Jacksonville or Houston. You just you got, got drafted, drafted by, by a good team. franchise that can't find a quarterback. Well, I that's mean. the thing. And if you were to say to Mitch, "Hey, 
this is 2010 we're drafting you or 2005 around then mm-hmm. with great better coaching staff better team overall then that kid is is probably set for the first couple of years it's just the timing of it you, you came into chicago when chicago wasn't doing well the coach really had no confidence in his players and vice versa and the franchise overall was just proved to be completely unstable and if you had said to Mitch Trubisky, hey, we're going to trade you to Buffalo in 2000, then Mitch is probably thinking to himself, oh, crap, <laughs> is this going to be the end of my career? This is it for me. So it's all about timing, but I'll, I'll back you up. I'll say kudos to Mitch, kudos to his agent and, and the people around him for recognizing, hey, I may just be a backup in Buffalo, but at least— This will lead to something better. Exactly. Tomlin spoke about Mitch Trubisky to Missy Matthews in his one-on-one down in West Palm Beach for the owners' meeting. He said, quote, he is a young and experienced. He's one, to be quite honest with you. He's probably one more than anybody else that was in the field. He didn't cost us any draft capital. It allowed us to maintain all our picks, and you guys know how we feel about building our team through the draft. There's a lot of things about him that was attractive to us. That last part was the most attractive, though, that they didn't have to give up any picks. He didn't say this in his statement, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have to spend much money on Mitch. He was just extremely affordable, and you kind of were just saying timing matters. Timing matters here, too, you know. You don't want to commit to this guy to becoming your next franchise guy because you just don't know if he can do that. Mm -hmm. But you do want to at least, you know, take the car out for a test drive a little bit and see if this thing can still hum a little bit. So... I just think it was a perfect storm, and I think what Tomlin said there at the end was the main reason. No draft capital have being having to give up. They can still build their team through the draft with all of the draft picks that they had this year, including the compensatory pick that they were rewarded. So I, I think that that really was the driving force behind the Mitch signing was he was affordable, and you didn't have to give up any capital in order mm-hmm. to get him. And that wasn't always like... A slam dunk that he was going to be affordable. There was rumors that he was going to start to command like $16, $17, $18 million a year because of what I think Tomlin said at the beginning of his statement there. Out of any of the quarterbacks in the field that you didn't have to spend capital on, serious capital on, like Wilson or Rodgers, he's probably the most winningest of them all. I mean, I know Jameis had a couple years. He had one in Tampa where they did okay. You know. So would you put in terms of Return on investment. Marcus Mariota's never really started. <clears throat> but you really didn't see a, a high price point for the Matt Ryan trade, the Carson Wentz trade. That's true. Matt Ryan, too, was a weird one. That right. He didn't go for a first The Colts really did a good job of getting a lot in return for Wentz and then having very little to give up in order to require Matt Ryan. But they did have to give up capital. Sure. And that was the key part of what Tom right, said, too. Is right, there was right, no right. capital involved. You know, with the with the Trubiskys, with the Winstons, with the Mariotas, there was no no capital involved. With Teddy Bridgewater, you could just sign those guys. And out of that crop, where you didn't have to trade to get someone, yeah, I think Mitch was the, the winningest of them all. Probably. I don't know what... Did Jameis actually ever make it to the playoffs one year in his career? I'm, like, thinking there's this I know random Marcus one Mariota in Tampa did. Bay. Marcus Mariota did. Yeah, but it was, like, an 8-8 eight eight season that he got in the playoffs, or, like, a 9-7 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they were the away team Yeah, because they was in Kansas in City. In Kansas City, they were the wild card. They ended up upsetting them, but, right. yeah, they were the wild card team. I so. don't know. No, it, ha- it would have had to have been in Tampa Bay. Yeah, and I feel like there was one year. I'll look it up real quick. There was one year I thought that he did decent enough in Tampa Bay where they had, like, an okay record. 
But maybe but they just anything, missed out on the playoffs. Yeah, or or if anything, they didn't. Okay, they went nine and seven his second year. Was that the best record he, he had? He has not made the playoffs with Tampa Bay. His only playoff appearance came in with New Orleans with as Drew Brees is back, where he threw yep. that one bomb touchdown pass <laughs> for one play. That's, that's it, it, though. So yeah, uh, that makes total sense from Tomlin when you look at who's the winners of the crop that you don't have to spend draft picks on in a trade. Trubisky's like far and away the mm-hmm. one. Can he? Had a 12-4 and four season. He won a division. Went to the playoffs that year. Got a home game. Lost on a double doink where his kicker should have probably made it and they should have probably moved on in that play. Like He put them in a spot to beat Nick Foles and the Eagles, which is hard to do when it comes to the playoffs, beating Nick Foles and the Eagles. But the double doink sends them home. A couple years later, oh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. He's not great. We don't like him. Backdoors him into the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. They lose a game that wasn't a blowout, but the Saints were in control from start to finish right. in that playoff game. There was never really a threat of the Bears' offense. Despite doing that anything. being the Drew Brees team that we just yeah. mentioned, where he barely had he an arm. He barely left. could do anything with the football. So, you know, Chicago really never threatened in that one, but that's the second time going to the playoffs where Mariota's been there once, has a playoff win under his belt, but I think the team was less impressive than Mitch Trubisky's Bears team that year that the Titans went to the playoffs. Jameis has only been there as a backup. Teddy Bridgewater, I think he went there like once as a Viking when he was super young, but like that Maybe was a while it. ago, and right. he definitely lost in his he's first been, game. He, he, he's been to several other teams since his last playoff appearance. Trubisky's the winner, man, when it comes to that crop of people, and that's exactly where Tomlin kind of – I don't think he, he used that description in his answer to Missy on accident. You know, I think that mm-hmm. was a main thing that they looked at when they brought Mitch in was – this guy can win. Now, the other main thing that they looked at with Mitch was, this guy is probably the most mobile. Well, Marcus Mariota is pretty mobile. Teddy's pretty mobile. I mean, Mariota and Trubisky, I think, are the yeah. one and two as far as that's concerned. But that was a huge key for them, is they needed to get some mobility. They needed to get a quarterback who could move. You heard Tomlin say that pretty much since the season ended this past year. So they nailed that as far as Trubisky is concerned because – Guy's got like eight touchdowns on the ground in his career. He's fast. He's strong. He's going to be able to break out of the pocket when things get mm-hmm. bad for him and make plays happen with his feet. So I think that's a pretty big reason to the Trubisky signing as well as the didn't have to give up a draft pick for him. He's a winner, and he comes super cheap. I mean, you check all the boxes on it, and I think Tomlin wants it to be known <clears throat> that – before the Steelers brought in Mitch Trubisky, there was so much uncertainty with who the quarterback is going to be, and there was no real, oh my gosh, Mason can do this for us, he can do this for us, he can do this for us. And in order to get him, we didn't have to do that or we didn't have to do that. You weren't hearing these, not necessarily accolades, but compliments given by your head coach to the two quarterbacks who were on the team between Haskins and Rudolph. Suddenly one guy comes in and and Tomlin says, Yep, didn't have to give up the world for him. He, he he He's capable of doing the things that we want him to do for us, and we believe he puts us in the best position to win. Three things right there that you want your head coach to say about your quarterback that Tomlin had never said about Mason or Dwayne Haskins since Ben Roethlisberger officially retired. Now, when it comes to the quarterback position, 
Tomlin said he feels good about the talent the team has, and he doesn't mind heading into a year without his future Hall of Fame quarterback on the roster for the first time in his coaching career. Very, very Tomlin-esque or Tomlin-esque ism coming up here. He said, I probably energized in a real positive way. I like the anxiety associated with professional uncertainty. We've got to acknowledge that we're in a different space. Hopefully that brings the best out of, in all of us. I know that's what I anticipate happening. I'm comfortable with the talent that we have at the position now, and that's not saying that I'm not open to add to it as we move forward. So the the first part of that little quote was what I was referring to is the Tomlinism, saying he likes the edge of uncertainty. The anxiety associated with professional uncertainty. Oh, my God. Can I can we flash back to 2019? Because I did not enjoy that. The the uncertainty. No, but you know who did Tomlin? I guess he had so. the team at eight and five. He at did. One point, yeah, you're right. He had that team completely bought into him, and winning football despite Ben going down and starting the Ottawa Red Blacks third string quarterback for a, a period of time. Still there. don't. I don't recall who won Coach of the Year that year, but would have been if, him if, if the they season, would have made the playoffs. If the season ended at week thirteen, it should have been Mike Tomlin. Yeah, and if they would have just won one more game, I think right. it might have been Mike Tomlin as well. Yeah, I, I admire his optimism, circumstances concerned, and that's exactly what you want the coach to um, feel in this situation mm-hmm. right now. You want him to feel that that anxiety, but that energizes him in a positive way, like he said. I think it's interesting, too, that he added at the end that I'm not open to add to the spot as we move forward. And he was asked about, you know, you're going around to all these quarterback pro days, you know, you you ended up going to uh, Desmond Ritter's pro day or um, Malik Willis's pro day mm-hmm. when the Ohio State pro day they missed an Ohio State pro day because of a quarterback's pro day and they always go to the Ohio State pro day. I mean Ohio State's got a ton of great crop of talent there, but it's clear that they're Tomlin and Colbert are looking at the quarterbacks up close and personal. They were not able to go see Sam Howell yesterday at North Carolina's pro day because of these owners' meetings. I remember Tomlin saying in a interview i'm pissed about it like i want to be there right but he laughed about you know going to all these camps Pickett, ritter willis he said we called it quarterback week you know it was a lot of fun like we haven't been able to spread our wings this way sure. in over two decades almost and now you know we get to go and look at these young next group of quarterbacks in this league and give a good evaluation of them up close and personal you know he's eating wings with malik willis right. you know he's having a good time with all these guys like it's just due diligence, and I think people are freaking out about it a little too much because they've never seen it before. Like, I, I think, this is the norm when you don't have a quarterback. Like, if Ben wasn't a surefire Hall of Famer, they would have been going to a lot more quarterback pro days in the past, too. They just never had a need to. It was the one position that they always had filled, no matter what. Now that's not the case. And I think that's a big sign as to how the Steelers really felt when they went out and drafted Landry Jones in, like, 2015 or something like that. That he was just a backup? When, he, like... when, they, when they went out and drafted Mason Rudolph in, in, like, what, 2017, 2018, is that they weren't really just make they weren't traveling to, where did uh, Landry Jones go, Oklahoma? He went to Oklahoma, yeah. And then college. going to Oklahoma State for Mason Rudolph. Yep. They weren't saying we have to go there because we have to see the quarterback. So, yeah, I think even though— Yeah, there were other though, guys there that they just happened to see the quarterback. Even though there were— There was no other guys at that Liberty Pro Day, I promise you that. Exactly. Even though even though there were Steelers fans and Ben Roethlisberger himself was kind of like on edge saying, okay, why did we go out and draft this quarterback if I'm still here? I think it's a pretty obvious understanding of it now that 
those quarterbacks that were drafted were clearly just security blankets, were, were safety nets in case something happened to Ben, and that's why the Mason Rudolph draft choice actually proved to be somewhat beneficial for the Steelers because he was there. You weren't just rolling with some guy like Duck Hodges and another amateur level or amateur amateur uh, skilled player similar to Duck. You actually had someone who played in a Big 12 program, a Power 5 conference, who could maybe sustain some success in the, in the interim while Ben was rehabbing or coming back. But now you're seeing Tomlin say, I, I, I mean, it was clearly obvious. They were going to Liberty. They would have gone to North Carolina. They did go to Cincinnati solely for one person, and that was the quarterback. They walked across the facility for Pitts. Uh, that wasn't really a hard one for them to get no. to. See, when it comes to this, I get a little nervous that they are still going to pick a quarterback in the first round. But I think if it's Malik Willis, I want to. You think it's only— But I don't think he's going to fall to 20. Okay, so— that guy, I saw a mock draft recently. That guy's going number six overall to the Panthers. He's the one, I think, that has separated himself from the rest. Not sure. because he's had the better body of work than, say, a Kenny Pickett or even a Desmond Ritter who went to the college football playoff this past year— He's got the most upside. It's clear as day when you really when I took the Kenny I mean, Pickett blinders why, off. It's clear he's better skill that's, wise. That's why the San Francisco 49ers took Trey Lance at what number skill three? wise he yeah. was better. I mean, I know he ended up playing at Liberty, but Willis was recruited to play at Auburn and played a little bit at Auburn. Like you don't go to Auburn to play quarterback unless you got skill. He's got more skill than anybody in this class. So that's the guy that has the high ceiling that I'd be real, real tempted to have picked number 20 ruled around and he was somehow still on the board. Do mm-hmm. not think that'll be the case, so I think they'll be spared there. And as However, much as they've said they like Pickett in the past, and I'm starting to think Pickett might be there when it comes to 20, he seems to be falling a bit in this draft yeah. process. I would pass on everybody else but Willis. I think Willis is the only home run candidate in this class. In the first round. Yes, yes. Matt Williamson has come out and said— If Ritter was in the second round— Right, Matt Williamson specifically has said that Desmond Ritter has kind of been— as as you mentioned, Kenny Pickett's been falling. Desmond Ritter's been kind of climbing up on people's radars. Would you be upset if the Steelers went out and got a guy like maybe Jamie Davis, Jordan Davis, sorry, in the first round, and then if Desmond Ritter's there and they feel the need to take a quarterback and they feel like they don't want to wait until the third round and risk it, they go with Ritter. Does that upset you? Yeah, because of what I just said about I agree. How no, I agree. I don't though. think I any other quarterback has the ceiling like Malik Willis does. Now, I don't think Malik Willis is a guarantee to reach that ceiling either. He might not be that greatest football player. But as far as just, you know, his athleticism, his arm strength, he's got the best tools in his toolbox as far as any of these quarterbacks in. He's the only one that I see of this class that can, like, everybody else, Ritter, uh, Pickett, um, Hal, mm-hmm. they strike me as Kirk Cousins at their best. A really solid quarterback that you can win games with, get to the playoffs with. He's going to get himself his money throughout his career. But he's never going to be flirting with the top ten. He's going to be right outside of that. He's going to mm-hmm. be a very above-average quarterback in mm-hmm. this league and make a nice career for himself. Malik Willis is the only one that I see potentially jumping into Josh Allen, jumping into Patrick Mahomes, jumping into that kind of a territory of a player, uh, a top-five kind mm-hmm. of NFL quarterback. Not to say that I'm guaranteeing you that he will reach that point. Just saying that I see the potential for him to reach that point. Whereas the other guys, I think their ceiling is a lot shorter. 
And, hey, when you're a team that needs a quarterback like the Panthers, maybe, or the Falcons, who Mariota's clearly just a bridge, maybe that's a guy you pick, a picket or someone like that. Or if you're the commanders and, you know, you're not super in love with Wentz, maybe you pick a picket or mm-hmm. you pick a Ritter and you try to, you know, see how they develop and see if they're ready to take the reins fast, sooner than you thought or have them learn on the bench for a year. But if you're the Steelers and you've got Trubisky and Rudolph, I think taking Pickett and Ritter, you might just be adding the same, more of the same to your roster without much potential for better. Whereas Willis, I think you've got a he, shot he to be top something yeah. different than all the other guys can provide for you. Yeah, so that's kind of where I would land on the quarterback spot. I really, really hope they don't take him in the first round unless Willis is there, which he's not going to be there. So I kind of get nervous hearing all of this. Well, we're not sure if we're done adding, and no, we've been to all these pro days, that they might pull the trigger on someone. But I think that's just, you know, the gamesmanship that comes with Mm -hmm. the NFL draft. You know, you you want teams to be on different scents. Maybe if a team behind you thinks, oh, the Steelers are definitely taking a quarterback, or, oh, they're looking hard at these quarterbacks. We don't need to trade up in front of them to get this defensive lineman that we want. And then, boom, you pick the defensive lineman without them even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe part of it is gamesmanship. I do think part of it is telling the truth, whereas I think they love Malik Willis, that if he was there, he'd pick him. But alas, like I've been saying several times so far, he is not going to be there at number 20. So do you think they're the Steelers fans who voiced their opinions this year of saying, why would you try to win games this year with Ben Roethlisberger? You know he you, you make a big playoff push. You could tell he was struggling. Why not just roll with a lesser team out there and, and try to get a better draft position. You only made the playoffs and you worsened your draft position only to be beaten by the Chiefs by three touchdowns. Do you think that crowd of people are trying to are going to be like, see, see, I told you, I, if we had just if we had just said, you know what, this isn't our year, that's okay to get ourselves in a better position to get Malik Willis, that could have set us up for the next 20 years. That could have set than... us up for the next 20 years. You could also play go even further back in the Wayback Machine and go to 2019 and say, if we would have just tanked that season, didn't trade for Minka, you know, if we got four wins, that's a pretty loaded class. I don't even know who were the quarterbacks in the 2020. Justin Herbert got taken like 11. No, overall. Joe Burrow got. First overall. You weren't yeah. getting the first overall. No, pick. right, no. But Justin Herbert was sure, there. Yeah. Had like 11 or 12 where the Chargers picked him. You could have been bad enough to be picking as high as that, mm-hmm. and you could have grabbed that quarterback. But, you know, that's, you know, playing – fantasy like you just kind of did with Malik Willis there they might still tank this season you know not on purpose but they just might not be a very good football team which isn't a terrible thing because where Malik Willis I think has become the only home run candidate in this quarterback crop next year's supposed to be loaded there's supposed right. to be like three or highlighted four by Bryce really Love. really Bryce Young <coughs> Bryce Young really, Bryce Love really is good Bryce here. Love is not that good no but really good um quarterbacks next year yeah. so you don't even have to be top 10 bad to but Potentially get someone that you can hit a home run with. So, something to think about this year if the team starts to sputter a little bit. It ain't exactly the worst-case scenario. A couple more things that Tomlin spoke about with Missy. Uh, Brian Flores came up, the team's new senior defensive assistant slash linebackers coach. Um, Tomlin said it just began with a conversation after Flores didn't get one of the NFL head coaching positions. You know, just open dialogue, and then it ended up working out. Um, He said, quote, without question, it's going to be a benefit to us. This is Tomlin speaking. I feel that already in a short period of time, in the early stages of schematic development and so forth, but that's not the only space he's going to help us. His resume and experience, he brings a wealth of knowledge, and I'm excited about drawing from that. 
they've got good minds on the defensive side of the ball now. I think mm-hmm. Terrell Austin is Tomlin's guy. I mm-hmm. think he has been for a couple years now. That's why you saw the kind of ushering him into the defensive coordinator position happen. Tomlin obviously has his fingerprints all over the defense. And now you got a guy in Brian Flores who is really good at coaching outside linebackers. So, I mean, is Watt only just going to get better? I'm just kidding. Obviously, the more intriguing side of that is, is he going to develop Highsmith into a really good player opposite of T.J. Watt? But not just with that outside linebacking group, with the defense as a whole, he's going to be able to put input into their game plans every Sunday, every week leading into a game. And basically what Tomlin said, he's just going to be an absolute advantage to us and a benefit to us. And you have a guy in your coaching staff. There's a guy that should staff. be a head coach. You have a guy in your coaching staff that should not be just on a coaching staff. He should be in charge of the coaching staff. Yep. So I think surrounding yourself with smart guys like that is always good business. Um, I think that it kind of puts a pin in the balloon of the take of people who said Tomlin doesn't like to surround himself with people that might know more than him or that have opinions that are different from him. He wants to be the biggest guy in the room. Well, that, like I said, that balloon lost all of its air because Brian Flores is, I'll say this, he was the sexiest candidate to be a head coach as far as resume is concerned in this cycle. He just didn't get it because of the noise he was making with his lawsuit. So before the Steelers acquire brought in Brian Flores, the general consensus was this guy's never going to coach a game in his life ever again. Do you think that now changes? Mm. I think it's more likely he will. Because but, once you get out like that, if you stay out, that's when I think it's harder to break back I mean, in. Look at, look at Kaepernick. miss any time. Like, if Kaepernick you know, had just accepted a backup job and then the starter somehow got hurt and then he was able to Win start like a couple games of games. Or something. Very likely someone saying, well, we don't really have anyone. We might as well just take this Yeah, game. the longer I think you stay away, the more mm-hmm. likely it is that you won't be brought back. And I think the key that you just mentioned is he went, what, a month without a job? If that. I mean, it was like the normal good coach gets fired and he finds himself on a new staff kind of thing. But... People were wondering if that was going to be the case here because of the lawsuit that Brian Flores brought up. So you do wonder that, you know, if he's still going to be able to get that ultimate position in the NFL. But it's clear that he'll be able to coach defensive coordinator, right. do, do anything like that. To get to the highest point again, to get to the peak of the mountain again, I still am a little unsure that he'll get mm. that chance. But then again, teams get desperate. And he had a coaches. really good track record in Miami as far as building a young team towards something. And then he just got the plug pulled on him before it could actually come to fruition. So going to be interesting to see kind of what mm-hmm. the vibe is after this completion of a season in Pittsburgh when that new head coach in Carousel starts to fire up again. Is his name going to be up front and center like it should be? Or is he still going to be kind of forgotten? Only time will tell as far as that's concerned. One thing that Tomlin said about Najee Harris, and this kind of will segue into our next episode pretty nicely when we talk about the offense and the defense. I love this quote. (laughs) He loves the competition. This is about him getting stronger in 2021. As it got thicker, he loved it more. I like guys. I'm attracted to guys that are competition junkies, and he is one. He's the leader on the offense this year. Sure. He's going to be the guy wearing the C for a while now. I mean, even when the rookie, sees, you know, yeah. I mean, even when the yeah. rookie quarterback comes in, he's going to be the captain, and I think this is a great opportunity for him to really seize that control this year with Ben being gone 
Mitch being a new guy, I know he's a little bit more veteran than Najee is, but not as far as being a Steeler is concerned. No. And you've got the talent to back it up. Like you standing up in front of a locker room and kind of getting a little surly with the folks, that's going to be received well, at least it should be, because you're a dog on the field. Like you're not just some, you know, whatever running back who's average trying to fire up the guys. Like this is now the offense. This is the best player on the offense sure. now. Might be and the best he, player, on, he's, second best player on the team, only behind TJ Watt. It might, and Cam Hayward, so third best player. Maybe. But he's got now this aura about him that when he speaks, I think the team's going to listen. Mm-hmm. So I really look to Najee being that leader, and I love how Tomlin said that when things got thicker, he got tougher. That's great. Like, that's that's a football player, and that's what Mike Tomlin loves. Alabama, you know? That's right. why you draft Alabama. You, uh, Alabama, Ohio State. You know, Georgia. Draft them. Yeah. Just draft those guys. They're ready to play in the, the NFL. The Blue Bloods, yeah. They, those coaches know how to get them ready. And to be quite honest, they've been playing in a minor league of the NFL for right. most of their season. I mean, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, like Clemson. Those teams can destroy Jacksonville and Houston and – you think so? If they play, oh each come other? on! I don't I mean, think you so. have you have guys going perennially in the first round and the top five. Whereas Jacksonville, we're not going to do this. If Alabama played Jacksonville, Jacksonville would wipe the. No, you're an idiot if you don't know that they would wipe the floor with them. The fact that it's a conversation alone. No one's having it but you. So I don't, I don't know, know what you're talking about. That would never happen. I. Labs would smack you in the face if he heard you thinking that Labs, a college team could beat an NFL team. Wouldn't be the first team. time Labs would disagree with something outlandish that I've said before. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. On our next episode, we're looking at the offense, we're looking at the defense, and we're ranking position groups of importance. Ooh, I love a good ranking, so make sure you tune into that. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Opperman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we will talk to you next time.